Welcome to episode 17 of Blowing the Doors Off. Uh, I'm Brett Morris, your host. Got my brother Andrew Sherwin in here with me. What's going on, dude? Just trying not to melt down here. Yeah, no kidding. That's uh, that's us too. It's been super hot and very, very humid. And I've actually had to work outside at work the last few days. So sitting here in the AC feels great right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> so uh, Memorial Day weekend's over with. Uh a lot of good racing, a lot of good racing Memorial Day weekend. What do you think? Well, I love the day in general because it is, you know, it, it's nobody's day, right? It's everybody's day. Right. And I think that's cool. Um, heard some interesting things about the delay of the start at Monaco and people were upset about this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, yeah, well, it's a street course where you climb a tiny mountain and then you come back down it. Like, so you kind of have to be conscious of so I actually, this is the first time that I scheduled myself to, to watch it. So I kind of got up uh, ready to watch it. Um, I made a parlay bet, which you probably saw on the internet, which I picked the winner of F1, the 500, and then the Coke 600, which I didn't get any of them. So I <laughs> definitely screwed that up. But uh, it was fun to, to keep up with. And, you know, uh, the guy that I picked, uh, Perez, or not Perez, but uh, – whatever it is, and then Leclerc or whatever his name was that I picked uh, was in the lead, and he was on the pole. That's the reason why I picked him. Because right. most of the times when you're on the pole at Monaco, you're probably going to win the race. You have to screw it up. You have <laughs> and to they did. either Ferrari it or Lewis Hamilton it. They Ferrari'd it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes sense. You know, they are talking about you know Ferrari Red is just not quite there with Red Bull. Yeah, which is funny. How did how does the namesake team not do as well as another team supposedly running the same technology? Right. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Factory teams dominate every other sport. That but I don't remember. Um, you know, <laughs> I've obviously paid attention to F one a little bit. Like I said, we've talked on here before. I haven't really dove that deep into it. But remember, see, remembering seeing Monaco. And I don't ever remember it see, seeing it rain there. I've never seen that, I don't think. Have they um, had that problem I think I've that? seen it wet. I don't know that I've seen it pouring where rain is running over the top of the curbs. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see one iota. I've only heard it being discussed. I've watched Monaco eh, somewhere probably around three and a half times. Um, yeah, I've watched the Indy 500 probably 25 times, not, not in its entirety, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long day if you get up for that, but I don't, yeah. I mean, think of Southern France is, um, it's real similar to San Diego. Like, um, they have some humidity over there. I mean, like Paris has the same climate as New York city. And so, and, and, France is about the same size as Texas. So if you take Paris is where Dallas is and, you know, Nice, Monaco, all that stuff down there, that's like Corpus Christi. Like that big of a difference. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know. F1 just still doesn't really do it for me. I watched several laps and, when my guy made the mistake and went back to fourth, I was like, yep, I'm going to go watch the Indy pre-race now. <laughs> well, you don't have a chance, you know, to – like, there's no recovery in – Yeah, like Formula it was over when he, the guy took the lead. I was like, well, it's over now. Yeah, I mean, and that's why the pole sitter normally wins unless they screw up because it there's nowhere to pass. These cars the have – they've out-technologied that surface, but because it is their crown jewel – um, they're just going to keep doing it. The and odds, that, that's just the odds be that. for him, the odds for him, me picking him to win the race were minus three thirty. So like <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to win this race. And I'm like, yeah, I got that cat in the bag. Picking the 500 winner and the 600 winner is going to be my hardest. And I was stuck on Kyle Busch for some reason. So I picked him and then I went out on a limb and took, Renus VK in the Indy 500 at plus 1500, but he started third. So I thought he was in a good place for the beginning of the race. I know he had to survive and that he didn't. I think he was the first at caution in the Indy 500 slamming <laughs> the wall in turn two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, if you miss one, you're going to miss two. Yeah. 
you know, let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Let's talk about the Indy 500. All right. Uh, did you get to see any of the Indy 500 this year? Not a single lap. Not a single lap. This is the first time I can remember in years where I sat in front of the TV. I was cooking uh, burgers and dogs and stuff for uh, my wife's family came over for a little bit to watch the race with me. And uh, the first time I can remember actually sitting and watching every damn near every lap. I mean, even from the grill, you know, I'm peeking in the garage watching what's going on and uh, I was highly entertained, especially for the ending. You don't normally see that in IndyCar. They don't. They wouldn't red flag it. They would just end it under caution. Uh, but with 320,000 people in the stands, they decided to red flag it. Uh, let's line them back up, boys, and do it again. And uh, hell of a finish for the 500. I didn't see the Marcus Erickson thing coming, but uh, the dude's won uh, in. He's won an IndyCar before, so it's no super shocker. Yeah, and then he then he make like ninety two F one starts in like yeah. a mid pack car. Yeah. So I mean, the dude's got he's got it as a racer. I mean, and the Indy five hundred kind of does that to you, right? It's uh, it's not Daytona or Talladega or Atlanta now. Uh, <laughs> it's it's something different than that, but it's still very unpredictable who's going to win because there's these super competing strategy this year they introduced this new um downforce package that allowed them to go faster than hell but if you're leading buddy you're, you're driving a plow yeah for I sure. i mean you're just drinking gas and you saw and, that in the in the beginning uh alex below and um scott dixon would would trade back and forth on who was taking the lead and i was like what the fuck are they doing you know why would you just let him have the lead and then i realized aero force he's just burning everything up yeah yeah, I mean, I, but you, I like that as, a, I mean, I like the strategy of, hey, this, this in the past has been very much a fuel mileage or a fuel first, you know, conscious race is, okay, right out of the gate, start saving fuel. Right. It's been that way for a long time now. So like, that's the mindset of everyone. Well, let's introduce 10 more miles an hour and see what that does. Well, fuel consumption of a liter went <laughs> like it was just gobbling gas. <laughs> but uh, uh scott dixon just got uh he's got indy indy 500 has not been nice to him he's had the car to beat about three years in a row and uh he's got nothing to show for it yeah yeah it's like you know you wonder i guess was the his win was that was that kind of fluky in nature and then he's got these ones that are seemingly sewed up and it's not happening for him it's like maybe it's just not meant to be you know right i don't know just it's it's eluded him because he's won on the road course there i think several times so it's not indy that's being hateful to him i think it's just that particular race yeah but, some uh, people have a that, that this is the way it is like uh you know i can't think of somebody right off the top of my head in nascar that would fit that mold but there was you know guys that had won everywhere except this place right. and so or like at their home track i've won everywhere except at home so there's always this added whatever this little yeah. extra anxiety that may be getting in the way of the driver or or the team or whatever you know whatever it is yeah like brad k at, at mis exactly yeah uh but it was cool i uh, had a good weekend with the with the family i kind of just hung out and watched racing all weekend starting with the truck race the xfinity race the 500 and the 600 i was glued to the garage tv a lot of the weekend we had beautiful weather here 65 70 degrees not hot at all i mean if you stood in the sun long enough you were going to get hot but nice breeze going through the garage it was nice to just kick back and kind of not do anything but that the entire weekend yeah it was it was plenty warm here we we we're in the 90s or close to the 90s and the humidity's all back um it was funny um sunday i guess in the morning I was talking about how it was the biggest day in racing and, you know, Monaco was at eight o'clock in the morning and then the Indy 500 at noon and then the Coke 600 at six. And at that point it kind of triggered Kristen to go, Oh, you know what? I really miss the music part of having the TV hooked up. So she called and, and she didn't get exactly what she wanted out of them. And I said, let's call them back and play a little dumb if you have to and just say i just want you to hook up the box i have today turn the signal on today and we'll go from there 
And so we finally, after a half an hour on the phone, got to where we got that. No commitment, one month. So we had we had it turned on in time uh, for the pre-race, actually. I turned it on the channel, and I just left it, and all of a sudden, boom, sound. I was like, oh, it's on. You know, <laughs> and and so we watched it. We watched the whole thing. Uh, I mean, I I mean, I did with. I was the only one that made it to the end, <laughs> of course. I bet kids, the kids all fell asleep in my lap or on the couch, and and Kristen went to bed, but she wasn't feeling very good, so it made sense. But yeah, it was cool. I you know got to watch the whole race, and then uh, actually watched some of it again uh, two nights ago because. Um, the nine-year-old figured out it was uh, it was either on demand or something. I don't know. He played it, and he's like, you want to watch the race? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, if you want to watch a race, I'm down. I don't care if I've already seen it. You know? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, let's talk, let's talk some NASCAR. Let's dive into what the weekend was and, and everything. But at first, with the little uh, news for the week leading into St. Louis, uh Hendrick is going to be back in the Xfinity series. Uh, they're running three races with the number 17 HendrickCars.com Chevy. Uh, looks like I like have the number they picked 17 little shout out to old DW. That's awesome. Uh, Larson at road America, Alex Bowman, Indy Byron Watkins, Glenn, like we talked pre-show, this looks like they're just trying to get some road course time. Right, that is exactly what that is because they're all looking at Chase, going, "What does he know that we don't?" <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't need the practice. <laughs> He's like, "I'll just go fool around with that for a while, and I'm gonna be over here." <laughs> I, I got this kind of figured out. <laughs> right, uh, like seven of his twelve wins are road courses. <laughs> what is the next road course? Would that would that be um, Road America, July Fourth weekend? Looks like. Uh, I thought fin- Infineon was before that. Is it not or Sonoma? Yeah, that would be coming up, right? Because that's going to be take, Fox's last race. Yeah, don't are aren't we, are we taking a weekend off somewhere? Uh, I'd have to look at the schedule. I, actually, probably. I don't think we are. I think one of the series might, and so I got that tripped up in my head. Um, I thought Sonoma was next for Xfinity and Cup, uh, but I thought it was a week away. So maybe it's just Cup and no, and then Xfinity's off. You know, they take three weekends off a year that cup doesn't take off um looks like um we're at st louis and then uh sonoma and then we have a week off for ah okay between sonoma and nashville it looks like there's a week off so they finally father's day weekend they're not racing on father's day that's funny (laughs) well Well, doesn't xfinity or usually races on father's day though right well, that looks like they're off too. Looks like we may. Yeah, they used have... to run a race on a Sunday every now so and then. So the only race we're gonna have Father's Day weekend, which kind of bums me out a little bit, because it's my birthday weekend too. My birthday falls on Father's Day this year, but uh, we get a, the Knoxville Truck Race uh, Saturday night. Um, hopefully, it's not the shit show that it was last year. <laughs> that was probably one of the worst uh, races I've ever watched, to be honest with you. Really? And I was super pumped to watch it. I'm like, you know, they're finally going somewhere that's not Eldora, you know, mm-hmm. um, or Bristol, I guess now, or whatever. Uh, an actual dirt track. You know, I want to check this out. And I don't know if it was the weather they had, what happened with the track, but absolute shit show. I mean, you go watch the ending to that race, and it's, I bet you they red flagged it 15 times, and, and it just they just couldn't get them going. They just pile up, and as soon as they hit the corner, they'd all just go into one big wreck. <laughs> I swear to God, go look it up. Like, they just pile them up in the first turn for an hour. Where so did um did NASCAR not employ the track to do the prep work? Did they bring I, their own people or something? I obviously, they probably already had their own people. Knoxville is the biggest sprint car attraction in the country. I feel like, and yeah, I feel like they would. I think it had maybe had something to do with the weather. There was like big ruts and. I don't know exactly. I mean, maybe they're too slow for that flat track, I guess. I don't know, but it, it sucked. It was a terrible Well, race. so I thought that about Eldora, honestly, uh, that that the trucks just but look it's got a little demonstrably bit of a slow. Right. Like, really, especially when those uh, dirt modified supers, super big, big blocks, blocks or whatever those there. things were. 
that that the the trucks didn't even it was like what are we like i give me some more of those big guys i want that I, yeah I, i'd rather watch that dude you, if you have ever seen a, a world outlaws car go around there it's like a fucking super speedway for those guys like they are shitting and getting on the with a sprint car at eldora the um the little four tents outside charlotte the outlaw the outlaw car is there boogie oh yeah absolutely <laughs> But uh, let's talk uh, some trucks. I know you didn't exactly get to uh, watch the truck race, but uh, I paid pretty good attention to it. Um, Ross gets his win for Nice Motorsports, which is really cool. It's kind of, I feel like, what helped get Ross to where he is. I feel like it. he kind of owes owes that to Nice. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Nice put him in that uh, the opportunity to get himself higher, which he obviously did and still does. But... Um, Carson Hosever, there was like four laps to go or something, and there ended up being a wreck. Like, the kid thinks he's going to get his first win. Uh, they pack him all back up and let him loose again, and uh, Ross gave Carson a hell of a push into four. Um, he just couldn't hold it, washed up with, into Priest, into the wall. Uh, Ross passes the both of them, wins the race. Hell of an ending. Uh, and then, you know, Ryan Priest gets on the – they're interviewing him, and he is – he's red hot about what just happened. He kind of looks straight at the camera. Like he's not even talking to the reporter, like I contact directly with the camera and just kind of <laughs> goes on this pretty, pretty uh, wild rant about kids. If this is what you're wanting to do, come up and race in. This is not how you do it. Kind of, I felt like making uh, stabs at Carson for kind of buying his way into equipment because, you know, priest is kind of doing his own thing. Now he's all over the place. Well, um, yeah, I mean, he's under contract with uh, Stuart, Stuart Haas, Haas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's their development driver, so they let him do whatever they want, like when they're not doing that work. But uh, kind of like Bowman did a little bit when he was their official, like, uh, on, you know, what do you call that? Backup Online? driver. Well, the simulation stuff is mostly oh, what okay. he was doing. Oh, okay, I got you. You know, he was the test driver. He was a simulation driver, that sort of thing. But, um yeah, I don't know. I think we're always going to have this, though, isn't it? And this kind of what makes it fun, though, is that you have the guy that scratched and clawed the Ross Chastain right. of the world that that still has a chance to make it to the big time, and and Priest is 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 hoping he's the next Ross Chastain, and 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 he's seeing these little windows of opportunity, like we talked about with Nemechek. It's a different story, but it's you're supposed to be in stuff that wins, or you're supposed to be a guy that can deliver a finish better than the truck that just sits on the grid. So if you're not doing either one of those things and you think someone else is causing that problem for you, I, I guarantee you're pissed off. But that's what we want, though. I mean, we want this. We want a Ty Gibbs or whoever that has, you know, the uh, Joey Logano came from funding. His dad was a pretty good businessman, had money. He got into racing. They could afford what he wanted to do. Guess what? He's one of the best in the world to ever do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it works for everybody, kind of. I mean, and, I mean, they're still... NASCAR touts itself as this capitalist first organization. And the reality is without a little bit of some of that, bringing everybody together, um, you're not going to have the competition that fans want to see. So they got to figure out ways to do that. They do that with the car itself or the truck. Maybe this cup, this cup car, for instance, is supposed to make it easier for a smaller team to compete. And we've seen that to be, that kind of is holding true. Um, I, I, for priests, I don't know if it does any good for him to spout off in the media like that at a guy like Hosevar. Cause if I'm Hosevar, I'm not listening to any of it. No. I'm worried about what caused me to not be able to hold my line. <laughs> Going faster, t- 10 mile an hour faster than everybody else. Cause Ross just gave him the bumper all the way down the back stretch. And I don't even know if he, he definitely don't, I don't think he, he hit the brake. I think he just took it off in there. Like, Kind of like uh, Austin Dillon did at the end of the night in the 600. Just, I'm fucking going for this, boys. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just mad it and shut your eyes. Yeah, pretty much. Just hold on tight, boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ho- hopefully when you hit something, it's after the checkered flag. I mean, he almost pulled it off, but not quite. Not quite pulled well, it off. Well, you know, and, and think about it from his perspective. is He's trying to prove everybody wrong that he deserves to be there, whether he paid to get there or not. And he's seeing that win, that 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 signature moment for him that says, "Yes, I'm supposed to be here. 
I can win a race. And you, you know, you get all that. And then all of a sudden you're in that situation. Like you just said, you're 10 miles an hour faster than you're used to having to <laughs> exit turn four. And you're just like, uh Oh, but the thing is the, the kid can drive. He's been, um, very so well. I this... I, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I guarantee you that they go back there and look at that film and go, okay, you see what Ross did here? Ross knew what was going to happen. Ross drove you all the way down there and you let him. But you the, hit the brakes halfway down the back stretch, you kill all that momentum. I think I'm on um and you know, just just of enough ours. of that bang, just enough of that bang to, to, is gonna burst that bubble and then the you kid, have a chance to get away had from it. One, he already had it one. He I mean he led the last I don't know, thirty five plus laps. Kid I mean he had a seven second lead on second place before mm-hmm. um that the caution comes out. And then it's like, oh shit! Now I got to hold all these guys off that have been blown by all night, you know. And uh, th- like I said, the kid can drive. I watched him win Winchester 400 uh, a couple years ago. The kid can drive. And, yeah, I mean, he's just got to. He's just got to. I mean, he's 19 years old. Kind of like the Ty Gibbs conversation we have on here all the time. Kid's young. Dude's gonna figure out. He's gonna win a race sooner or later. Well, that's what the trucks are supposed to be for. I mean, that's what I would say to Ryan Priest is, dude, you're in the truck series. um, Hey, why didn't you pay attention to the fact that he was going to miss that corner? You lift and then move down and get with Ross and you chase Ross. Maybe you bump him. Maybe you dump Ross, whatever. Everybody knows that Ross would do it. Right. So, I mean, you know, like you had choices, Priest. You didn't have to just get run into. Right. And, And that comes back to the Ross thing. This dude is on a streak right now. This dude is driving his lights out right now. He's in fast stuff, man. Fast stuff breeds confidence. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it when you're sailing down in there to take the lead versus sailing down in there to try to get 22nd, it's different. Absolutely. The adrenaline's different. The desire's different. And, uh, you know, Ross, sees, he sees the carrot, and he's like, I don't care if there's lions over here. I'm carrot. <laughs> it's been fun to watch though i can because you got i mean you had um, i should have said watermelon instead of carrot <laughs> back in the in the, the petm days you had ross on what like your 200th episode or whatever it was oh that was a that was a fun little saga because rusty and i smashed it over the course of that two year set two in two years we personally met ross six different times at the racetrack that's awesome. And asked him. And finally at Phoenix, it was just me, Rusty, Jeff Gluck, some bystanders who were too afraid to talk, and Ross Chastain. And Ross looked up and saw us, and he's like, damn. <laughs> he's like, I promise you I will do your show. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool, though. Um, Xfinity Series, uh, Josh Berry wins. Um, he's he's been He's been driving pretty good here of late, too. Of course, anybody in the – uh, junior motorsports camp has been driving well. They've just been on a streak themselves. Um, yeah, they're racing to... like a factory team races. Yes. Their cars putting... are better than everybody else's cars. Yes, hands down. All of them. <laughs> they're all driving well. But, um, you know, the kind of story coming out of that race, I feel like, was Josh Berry and Justin Allgaier. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're teammates, but – Ah, they were racing each other pretty rough throughout the course of that race. Yeah. Uh, I liked hearing what Dale Jr. said about that because in the moment he's like, don't wreck both my cars. One of y'all win. <laughs> right. And then he's like, but you take a step back and you go, mm, this is still a learning process for these guys. They've got to make their own mistakes. It, it's every step of the way in life. It's employment. It's personal life. It's everything. It's if you bottle somebody up, in this case – really what you're doing is slowing them down, right? You're trying to slow them down. You don't ever want to slow somebody down, right? If they've got speed, figure out where to put the car, learn how to put the car somewhere where you don't run into shit. (laughs) But if they're fast, you don't want to slow them down. Absolutely. So you stick the guy that's already got enough confidence to think he belongs there and you give him a car that runs top five every week. Well, no shit. Ross is doing what he's doing. He's he's chock full of confidence, and he now has a fast car. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about it um, 
pre-hitting the red button on the screen, but uh, Portland debut this weekend for the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I know I've heard over the course of the week that um, they're not really the people doing it aren't really huge fans going that far out um, from Charlotte or home base because the the payout for the race isn't even that much, and you're not really earning any money for your team by going out there and racing. Yeah, it feels like um, they probably could have managed the schedule a little bit better to where if that's what they wanted to do with the Xfinity Series, they run them at Sonoma and then run them the off weekend at Portland so they're already there with a road course setup car and a backup, um, and you do that, that then makes logistics make a hell of a lot more sense. But like they said on Door Bumper Clear, he's like, the guy that finishes 10th, is they get a $30,000 check. He's like, that doesn't even cover the cost of flying the team out there for three days. Really? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, so what are we doing here? I mean, if we're trying to grow the West Coast, why not leave? Not why not shove it into the West Coast swing? You know, if yeah. you have to delay the West Coast swing for that all to line up, obviously you don't want to stay gone from NASCAR's home base for six or seven weeks. But uh, there's got to be some other way to tie in that coast to this coast and and the middle of the country at the same time, and and have it work because it is uber expensive to travel. I mean, from Charlotte to Portland's got to be over 3,000 miles. Yeah, that's literally tr- going from the, one side of the country to the and other. The, and the truck, you know, the carriers, they have to make that haul. They don't get on an airplane. They've got to drive all the way over there and drive all the way back. That sounds... That's probably $10,000 worth of fuel. Probably more than that. I think I actually seen a number on that where they were saying... I think it was somebody in the Xfinity series, like... Uh, I don't know. One of the smaller teams that uh, it cost them three thousand dollars in fuel to get there. So obviously it's probably another three thousand back. So you're, you know, six seven thousand dollars in in fuel. That's fucking crazy. Well, and you have to have tandem drivers, so you're paying two drivers. So put that in there with the cost of the fuel, the depreciation of the vehicle. I mean, it adds up real goddamn quick. Really quick. <laughs> and if you're already a team struggling to put, you know, make ends meet, that can be uh, a game changer for your season. Oh, if you are an Xfinity team that wants to make 18 starts or 12 or 20, you're looking at that schedule going, this is the one we are not going to right here. <laughs> but, but some of those big teams, I mean, if they're running for a championship, they don't have a choice. I know. That's what's weird about it. It's like (laughs) you're almost, I mean, in some ways I don't hate it, um, but in some ways I do. I I want it to be economical for everybody. At the end of the day, somehow, some way the business model has to work or the thing goes away. So if it's worth it for Junior to send all four of his cars to Portland because they're racing for owner's championship, driver championship, manufacturer championship. Okay. If if they're willing to eat a sunk cost for that weekend because they make money everywhere else, cool. But they're also winning all the races, so they're they're already they already got the extra kitty. Right. You know, the the five cars of the world are thinking looking at that race going, Hey, I wonder if Stuart Stuart Haas wants to help us out this weekend. <laughs> right. Let let us bring a car with them. Um, you know, you, you talked a second ago about, uh, door bumper clear. Um, what about the Dale jr. Download this week with, uh, the Jeremy Mayfield saga part one? I tell you what, uh, I don't, I'm not going to be claim. I'm not going to make any claims that I'm closer to it than anybody else would be as a fan. But, um, you know, getting into the sport, basically latching on to Casey Kane, Jeremy Mayfield was his teammate. So we, I was still trying to figure out what the hell NASCAR was and what my, what me and NASCAR together were. And, you know, I went to the race in 2004 at Atlanta, first race I ever went to. I don't know that I had anybody to root for, really. I just was at the race, you know. Uh, I did like Jeff Gordon because of the contrarian nature of his relationship with the Earnhardt crew. Um, I did like Tony Stewart because he was brash and bold, and I knew who he was from IndyCar. Kinda. 
And, you know, I don't know, Dale Jr., of course, I, you know, I I still love his story. I I don't have any problems admitting that I am a Dale Earnhardt Jr., the person and the racer fan, but I didn't know. And I was just getting in. And so all that crap happened basically over the course of the next 18 months with him and Ray Evernham. And, and so I kind of watched that get weird and I didn't realize, you know, we don't see this anymore so much, but up until about 2010, we still kind of did where a a relatively big name, a cup winning driver gets out of a ride and a cup winning driver gets in that ride in the same season. That, that stuff doesn't happen a lot. No. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think what, at the end of the day, Mayfield said the right thing to piss the ownership or the people that are protective of ownership, the Francis off. And then, yeah, just listen to him say it. I mean, the rest of it's, I don't care who's right or wrong it is interesting the whole thing and i want to believe i want to believe jeremy mayfield through all this just like i wanted to believe that aj almondinger didn't have an issue and it turns out he didn't he made a pretty innocent mistake in a lot of ways and mayfield didn't even make that mistake he took something over the counter if you believe it i don't, right. I don't know why not believe him isn't it more fun to root for the underdog in this case? So I I couldn't really remember the whole saga of of what happened. I remember all I remember was him failing drug tests. So when I start to hear this conversation on the show, I'm like, damn. So that's it wasn't even. I mean, like when I hear that he failed these drug tests, I don't even remember what what year did this even happen? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. So I I was uh, freshly out of high school. Um, one year removed from high school. So I'm still pretty young for some reason. When I associated Jeremy Mayfield, I'm thinking that he's like this meth head from, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina or something. Like I just portrayed that stuff to him automatically. And then I'm hearing him on this. I'm like, this dude didn't even do, he's saying that he didn't do meth. He just said he took Claritin D and Adderall and he was prescribed Adderall. So it's like he was even doing the, the Adderall thing illegally. Well, and to hear Dale Jr. talk about how that his Mayfield situation spooked every driver. Like, oh, it's your turn to pee. Well, what the hell's going to happen when I get in there? Because this is a clown show so far. Right. You know, and, and that's that's exactly what you know. Mayfield said something very poignant. And I don't know if his lawyer or his doctor or both are involved in this, the caging of this response, or if it's just Mayfield being this smart or aware. But he said... They asked the doc, you know, Dr. Black, the NASCAR czar of drugs, who didn't know a damn thing about anything oh, yeah. related to Olympic testing or U.S. USADA testing, nothing. And 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 this guy didn't even he didn't even know the chemical name that you need to separate amphetamine from solution or methamphetamine. So if you all you are is testing for ephedrine. And testing for amphetamine, yeah, you get positive. Right. Because you have a meth component of ephedrine and you have the amphetamine of the Adderall. And and it's like, well, yeah, if you're not testing at the thresholds that are for meth, right. you're not testing the right thing. Right. It sounded very, very sketch. And then obviously it kind of was. I'm actually not done with the first episode. I got like. I don't know, a half hour left or something. It's a long one and it's hard to get in all in, the, in a day sometimes, but uh wild, wild story. Can't wait to hear the rest of it. Uh will part two come out next week? Yeah. So looking forward to that for sure. Uh, yeah. And so, it's going to, they're going to get into all kinds of stuff. They, you know, they previewed uh, and you, you probably already know this, but you know, Mayfield famously did put the bumper to Earnhardt at Pocono. Yeah, and got out and said, "I was just trying to rattle this cage a little bit." You know, it, it, Jeremy humor has a dry. I mean, Jeremy Mayfield has a dry sense of humor. You know, Matt Kenseth was had a dry sense of humor. Everybody thought he was hilarious when he wasn't in front of a camera on television. Right. You know, it's it, but that was a whole thing too. Like that he had rubbed whoever the wrong way because he moved Earnhardt at Pocono. You know, and he's in a shower of beer cans and. He's like, wait, I just won. Why is everybody mad? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk about the Coke 600. Uh, Denny wins the longest race in NASCAR history. I don't even know what time it was when it was over, but it was late. 
It was 11.53. Dang. Eastern time. And damn if old backdoor himself doesn't show up again. (laughs) But you know what? This is what proves how ironic it is for him to have said that about somebody else is that the only way to backdoor your way into a win is to be there at the end with a chance to do it. Right. So 596 miles, you had to stay alive. Well, 13 cars didn't do that. Right. You know, there was what halfway through the race, it was like 14 cars that hadn't, that had, were currently untouched by a wreck. Yeah. Out of 37 and, or and whatever we'll, started the race. And uh, we'll get to that here in a second on, on why there was uh, less cars. But uh, a lot of people having the conversation this week of crown jewel races uh in your mind i mean is besides the obvious ones we got daytona darlington uh the 600 uh is there another race in there or is is that it i so i'm not super hung up on crown jewel because crown jewel means you're displaying the spoils we don't even get to see the purse anymore so who gives a shit what (laughs) i mean it's bucket list for me what's your bucket list what do you want to win most of them say the daytona 500 okay that's probably up that that yep that's number one number one payout too and it comes with the most amount of attention so it's all good to win the daytona 500 from there it's what as a driver what where do you want to win you know if you want if you're an old school NASCAR, like I love the short oval tracks, you want to win. You want to win Martinsville. You want to win Bristol. If you're, you know, if you're old school intermediate, Darlington is its own special thing. We all know that. We don't have to get into it here. Everybody knows Darlington is special for a lot of reasons. It's a very hard racetrack. After that, I mean, Indy lost its luster so much we moved it to the road course. I think we should still go to Indy. We should have a presence in Speedway, Indiana, for sure. Yeah, but. After that, it's where do you want to win? I mean, Kyle and Kurt at Vegas. It's 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 Keselowski at Michigan. You know, it's Carl Edwards at St. Louis or whatever it is. You know, like, I mean, your crown jewel is is your crown jewel. It's not that there's no sport crown jewel other than the Daytona 500. Right. And, and I, I am in agreement with you. I, I, I think the same thing, except for I'm going to throw this in there and it doesn't matter. So, like, when you win the Daytona 500, when you win the Southern 500 and the Coke 600 or the Indy 500 or a, a big race, you know, it's a, a spectacle in that you get a, you know, a ring and there's this whole thing that goes with it. I think the only thing that you can really, other than those races that you do that is the championship race. Cause nowadays you have to basically win the race in order to win the championship. If you're in the final four and uh, you get a lot that goes with that too. So it don't matter where we take it. I feel like, championship race should probably be in that talk i think yeah i agree but that's going to rotate we think um but yeah I, i think i think you're better to assess the crown jewel races if you were a casual fan of this segment of auto racing so i think we should ask the indycar fan who is dialed totally into indy but will sometimes watch nascar what gets you to watch and what do you think are the most important races on the schedule? Right. Right. And because everybody knows what the one race is. It's the Daytona 500. Just right. like what is IndyCar's crown jewel? Well, it is the Indy 500. Right. You know, what is F1's crown jewel? Well, it's Monaco. Why? Cause it pays the most, you know, it, I feel like a lot of them have to do with like a deep tradition, you know, like the 500 having that, that the history to it, I guess. Like, you know, nobody thinks of, you know, Phoenix, Oh, Phoenix, they won Phoenix. That's such a historic racetrack. It's like, eh, maybe not. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. I, at times it's been a great racetrack. At times it has not been a great racetrack. And that is right now. (laughs) And that's now. And, you know, we look at, and so let's roll it back to the Charlotte conversation. What happened to Charlotte? Well, it finally got 15 years of age on that rubber polymer-based compound, and the traffic or the the surface wore the asphalt wore down enough that it made it fun. But they still had to put the grip boogers down. But maybe they figured out how to make that work the way they wanted to because the 600 
even with all the attrition, which I loved, even though all my guys that I root for were done after like lap 150. But I still loved it because that's what that race was supposed to be. It's right. a test of man and machine, not test of that every that everybody do the right simulation. And I and not to mention the fact that it was a it was a really good race. There was a lot of two comers and goers. Tires mattered. Like I said, it was like Darlington, man. You somebody breathes too close to one of the tires and they just change them. <laughs> and then they go, wait a minute. We're about to set a record for the most cautions we've ever had. We are going to have to stay out at some point and not yeah. take tires. Well, that's what I was going to talk about with, uh, you know, tire issues. Um, we couldn't run 30 plus laps. We couldn't run over a 30 lap run with somebody not blowing one out or whatever the hell happened with it. But, uh, the, Race was incredible, I feel like, when it came to strategies and tires and track position. You got Larson that goes to the back, to the front, to the back, to the front, to the front, to the back. Like, he just he was all over. It was great TV for him. Hell, he was all over the place. He was passing cars left and right. Still almost gets it done. He spun out. He caught on fire. I mean, it was a whole list, laundry list of things. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... It was. I don't know if there was a superlative associated with it, but I, I, I want to believe that he was either had the most or somewhere near the most green flag passes of, as anybody ever has in the 600. <laughs> right, and then goes and does the same exact thing in a, a World Outlaws cars at uh, Lawrenceburg Speedway here in, in Indiana the ne very next night. <laughs> <laughs> Did the exact same thing. Uh, stuff happened. He went to the back, came to the front, and won. Um. Did the, the the situation with uh, uh, Chris Busher with breaking the tire axle, you know, breaking all that suspension stuff and it getting caught on something and flipping it over with, and uh, he's kind of put out there his displeasure with how, how fast the safety team did not get him out of that car. Well, I think um, this is where NASCAR paints themselves in the corner of how do we practice for this? Um, obviously you can practice tipping one over the fact that they showed up was a Daytona and said, Hey, if you guys flip over, just sit there for a minute. Uh, cause we don't really know how to flip this car back over and tow it back yet. It's like, what? Yeah. It's like, you like might what, under what, uh, under what rock did you <laughs> overlook this little piece of the equation, the safety component. Yeah. So that's, but I, you know what? I say this tongue in cheek because the safety restraints within the car did what they were supposed to do. Right. Right. That tire could have gone into the stands at 160 miles an hour, but it stayed attached to the car. Right. And that is the, that was the piece of the puzzle that NASCAR was committed to solving. And once Busher comes over the radio and says, I'm fine. Well, the NASCAR standing order is wait for us because you can do more damage to yourself by unbuckling your seatbelt. Is it painful to sit there for five minutes? Yes. Can we do it faster? I'm sure. But he said he was fine. So I don't know. I mean, he could just say, I bet we could get better at this. I bet we could be a little faster and leave it at that. I guarantee you the next person that flips comes on the radio and says, I'm fine. Just get me the hell out of the car. <laughs> yeah. I want out. Yeah. I want out now. <laughs> um, we we talked about uh, um, Kyle Larson and the problems that he had. The, the, the little halftime speech from Cliff Daniels, his uh, <laughs> his uh, yeah crew chief um, gave him in the car was pretty good pump up there because it obviously worked out for him because he went right back to the front and uh, almost won it. Yeah, I mean. Kudos to Cliff Daniels for having a level head enough to say, this is what we've already overcome and we're still in contention to win. So if we get anything right over the next 200 laps, we, we're probably going to be in a good spot. What, my question is, where did Cliff Daniels come from? I feel like um, that you never really heard that name much. And I mean, obviously, people in the sport probably had, but – Prior to him getting on that box with uh, with Larson, um, I feel like they're like the perfect match. I feel like they're a Jimmy and um, Chad Kanowski type of connection on on the the race car. I don't know this a hundred percent, but I want to I want to say when the engineer that worked with Kanowski 
announced that he was moving into a competition role, I think he was backfilled by Cliff Daniels. Gotcha. Hell of a backfill. Yeah. <laughs> I think they So he's moved from engineer to uh, didn't Ganassi use him as a cup crew chief for a minute or two? Maybe. With I, Larson? I, I'm not sure about that. I he's he has been around. He's one of those guys like Travis Mack that uh that that was primed to be a crew chief and uh now he's in a good spot for it. Travis Mack's kind of been bouncing around since he went with Casey over to Levine Family Racing and that didn't that just that shovel blew up in their face. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about uh Chase Briscoe? You know, he pulled kind of the same move he pulled at Bristol kind of like what we talked about earlier just balls to the wall i'm going for it type of thing and i think if he would have just settled down a little bit i think he pulls it off he was obviously faster than larson uh, i think he just needed to be a little bit more patient yeah and i think patience is something that has to be learned because he comes from a sport where there is no patience yeah there's no patience it's go or be gotten right and so I don't know the fact that he's made it all the way to cup and he's still making this mistake twice in the same season is not good. I'm sure that guys like Kevin Harvick and Tony Stewart are in his ear going, you're making a mess of this. Yeah. you could. Can, how can we, we help you second a couple times? Right. Now. I you mean, this, this is oddly similar to that really bad, movie three that ESPN made where <laughs> yeah. Rod Osterlin goes into the diner to talk to young Dale Earnhardt. And, uh, he says first place or second place, just the first loser. And Osterlin was like, yeah, I'm turned off by that, <laughs> you know, cause, cause the reality is at this level, second is way better than anything behind it. Yeah. And first is not enough to warrant wrecking the car. Like, just take the second if you can't make the pass or set it up better. Yeah, absolutely. You got, you got two of the best that ever did it. One's your owner and one's your teammate. Go figure it the fuck out. <laughs> uh, I think he will. I think he will. He's obviously – and tell me if it's wrong on my end. I feel like he's the only person in a Ford really doing anything. Like throughout Harvick, the whole besides it is Harvick's Logano. experience that is keeping him in the top ten as much as anything, because those cars aren't aren't as fast as everybody else's, but they're still the fastest. Well, I don't know Penske. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they got the they got the Cindric win, the Daytona five hundred. Uh, they have Joey's win at Darlington, and then they have Blaney's All Star win, but the that could be probably miscued a few different ways. I mean, when he had a fast car that night, but oh, it's, absolutely, it's he had a jack, rocket ship. That yeah, night. It, it's super jacked up format does changes everything. But everybody is saying that Fords have a disadvantage right now. Whether it, I'm sure it's aero related, because well, what did they do? They chose Richard Childress as their test case for this new <laughs> car. So, what do you think it's going to do? You think it's going to be good for Fords or good for Chevys? Right. I mean, this is the whole argument to begin with is how did you pick one manufacturer to develop this new car with? Because, hey, these bodies aren't all the same. I know that they, they actually had an extra year, you know, in bringing in the, the, the next gen car. But you think maybe they probably should have waited maybe one other whole another year? I don't know. It's kind of one of those shit or get off the pot things, right? If you continue to talk about how you're going to introduce a new car and it flops you got a bigger problem on your hand than saying, we're going to do it. We did it. Here it is. If it doesn't work, we'll fix it. Yep. I, and I, I think, honestly, I think that's a better way to do it. So uh, this week, Worldwide Technology Raceway, East St. Louis. Um, Gateway in the hizzy. Oh, yeah. Uh, sold out. Absolutely. I was thinking about going this weekend. Thought I'd look some tickets up and see what I could find for – uh, driving over there on Sunday morning. It's not too far of a drive for me. It's only like four hours. So, um, yeah, that's not going to happen now. So, and, and uh, what they just have like the one main grandstand, right? Maybe from turn four to turn one. 
Uh, and I think there's one, well, at least on the aerial, it shows there's one over by, you know, center of one and two and to two, but I don't know if that's there or not. Um, my guess is that place may hold 25,000 people. And I think in this world where we all know, as we've discussed several times now, that, that it's the TV money that is the driver behind the financial piece of this whole equation is, okay, why not? take it to tracks that only have 25,000 seats and sell that bitch out every weekend. And then it looks like the crowd is full and you're having a good time. Anytime you look and see a crowd going bananas, you go, man, I think I want to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to be a part of that. I mean, uh, uh, the IndyCar races there once a year. Um, I've watched that several times. I've been interested in going to that track since it's, uh, closer in proximity to a lot of others, but, um, I'm ready to see what it, uh, it's always fun to watch them go to somewhere they've never ran before, or, you know, or whatever. The Cup Series has never been there, whatever. But most of the drivers, I think, have been there at one point or another in a lower series. But uh, I think it's going to be a fun race to watch. I think so, too. I'm a little leery of the fact that everybody says they're going to shift probably twice, which Martinsville kind of sneaks in the back of my mind because mm. it's similar banking. I know it's an egg-shaped track, and it's kind of got weird corners where the entry corner is shallow and the exit corner is sweeping. But I, that's you, that's kind of like why. a single-file race coming up? Is that what you're saying? Um, I I see a race where if unless there's two very fast grooves, it's going to be very much a – you have to have a incredibly faster car to pass the guy in front of you. I don't think it, I, I'm sure arrow plays a role. Hell, they even talk about arrow at, at, at Martinsville now. So, you know, whatever, but, um, I, I'm genuinely curious. I don't even really care about the shifting as long as they make the gears far enough apart that, that it, it comes down to, Oh, we only do this when the tires get old or we only do this when the tires are brand new or whatever it is, you know? Right. And then that, that's kind of the way Pocono was when all of a sudden somebody started shifting that, wait a minute, remember the box kind of <laughs> said, hold on a sec. And then, and you can be like, what are they whispering about that we can't hear? And then you see, I, obviously they were talking to the producer. So they got a camera down the front stretch and a mic, and they lit the mic hot right there. And you can hear, them go past start finish and downshift or upshift rather into fourth and then downshift again, entering turn one. And it's like, ah, that's different. We haven't been doing that in a long time at Pocono. Right. But now with a sequential and five speed transmission, I hell let them shift wherever they want. I right. know. But figure the rest of it out though, too. I'm excited. I think, uh, I think it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, pretty excited about it so let's uh let's make some picks i got another one on you barely i got second you got third i think is how that played out but uh i'm up seven races to five races uh who you got this week who did i say earlier? i said brad didn't i <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was second guessing myself for a sec yeah and and the reason why i picked brad is i think this is a calculated racers racetrack based on what i'm seeing and uh, I think that if if there's any place where calculated race car driver is going to get a win where uh, maybe they shouldn't or maybe when the team's not totally up to speed yet, Brad Keselowski is one of those guys that can do that. Very interesting. I'm going to go uh, Christopher Bell. Um, I think he had a decent finish in the 600, finished uh, – third or fourth i believe but um he's won there in a truck before back when he had that little tear with the uh, kbm but um i think he maybe just i don't know puts it together somehow i think maybe this is his opportunity to steal one for the for the year to try to sneak in the playoffs which if we get you know another first or another winner this season it's that talk is going to start getting pretty interesting i think yeah especially with um you know some of the Road courses coming up, you know, Chase can't win them all. 
(laughs) But he hasn't won a road course yet this year. (laughs) So (laughs) you could probably just go ahead and of the three that are before the playoffs, or is it three or four that are before the playoffs, that Chase is going to get one of those. Oh, yeah, for sure, probably. But he's already won, so that goes in the kitty of people that have won more than once. So road courses tend to lead to guys that win once a year. A lot of times that seems to be a thing sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would love for us to get to a place where we have a dog fight between four, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, where those guys are just duking for like three or four weeks to try to see what the hell happens at Daytona. <laughs> right, because it, then it really sets that, that race up pretty good. Yeah. The, that's probably why they did drama. it, you know? You know, they're the, the green we're in, the yellow maybe, the red out. You know, just I like that distraction of all that. You know, at first I didn't. I was like, why are they doing all this? Why are they doing it as they run? Why don't they do it based on points accrued until now? And, you know, I don't I, maybe they are doing that and I'm just not smart enough to figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to believe that's probably not true, but I don't know. Right. Well, uh, an, uh, a new segment we kind of wanted to start doing and. It may be every week thing. We might just do it whenever we feel like. But uh, uh, this uh, this day in NASCAR history, uh, which today being June second, uh, June second, two thousand and two, uh, Jimmy Johnson's rookie year, his second win of the year, um, gets it done at Dover. I think that's pretty cool. Jimmy Johnson's uh, second win in the Cup Series coming at Dover, June second, two thousand and two, which feels like forever ago. 20 years lots of twos that's true it's coming up twos my birthday is two two so i like the twos um yeah i you know it back then when jimmy johnson showed up and i was kind of watching a little bit here and there and he wasn't winning championships yet i tell you what he was fast everywhere but he wrecked a lot (laughs) Uh, he trashed cars all over the place and i don't mean like ricky stenhouse trashed cars i mean like was like, what are you doing, man? Like, you got the fastest car out here. <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And so nobody, you know, I didn't, I didn't like Jimmy Johnson until he won, you know, five in a row. And you're like, oh, okay, that's something different. That's yeah, like, something very different. This guy must be really, really good. <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, we're gonna change our uh, championship points now because we don't want to see you just keep winning championships. <laughs> and then he still won another one. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, I would. I mean, he almost. I, you know, there's way too many business deals and money tied up in whether or not you're staying or going. But I, I almost would have just picked up that Tiffany, uh, you know, that trophy they get, that Tiffany checkered, double checkered flags, and just, just. Middle finger everybody out the door and go, I'll see you. I'm all done here. <laughs> right. You changed the rules, and then you changed them again, and then you changed them again, and then you changed them again, and I won in all of it. Yeah. Try to get one up on me. I'm going to just keep winning them. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I, like I said earlier, when we were off air, I was like, I love a challenge. It doesn't. It's not the only thing that drives me, but there is – I mean, if you don't get excited about proving somebody wrong or – says you can't do something about it what do you get excited about (laughs) (laughs) all right rednecking for the week (laughs) i know it's gonna be a chicken story so i gotta hear this okay (laughs) well (laughs) the uh the pg or even g-rated version uh or the premise preface is with these chickens we got in the garage are about ready to come on out. So we got a little coop delivering today and a little run out yard delivering tomorrow. But uh, about 10, 11 days ago, we picked up four leg, uh, law, uh, what are they? Foghorn leg, leg horns, <laughs> Fog leg horn <laughs> hens. Okay. So that is that generic white chicken with the red crest. And these things are hyperactive. You can tell they've been, like they're programmed DNA wise to be in the herd, like inside of a feeder type pen, right. you know, whether they were going to be fryers or they're going to be layers or, you know, whatever they're, they're, they're domesticated, so to speak. And when I say that, what I mean is they don't roost. 
they just stay in the bottom of the cage where the other chickens will get in the cage, rustle around, and then they go jump up on the dowel. Right. And that's nighttime. Mm-hmm. So anyway, because the standing sort of rule of thumb is you have to leave the chickens locked up, new chickens locked up for 10 days to let them know that this is home base. And then you can let them out. Um, so now that our little herd, our flock of chickens has have whittled itself all the way down to a hen and a rooster um we got four grown or you know about ready to start laying towards the fall you know grown hens and then we got these eight little pullets like the twin or you know they're teenagers or whatever you want to call that right um but the all the hens have been locked up and this rooster has been coming out of his feathers trying to figure out how to get in there <laughs> with those five hens <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you what i went in there to get up an egg and get some water and stuff in there and the hen was like standing at the door waiting like i'm one out now like normally she kind of just pecks at me like do you have food or what are you doing in here this is my space you know stay away from my egg you know peck your fingers a little bit nothing big but she was there at attention and wanted to come out and i said you know what i'm letting you out and every time I go near that coop, the rooster is very aware that I am the one who controls whether the door opens to the girl chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I mean, she walked, she hopped out on the lot. Like, so the, the coop's probably three feet off, maybe not quite three feet off the ground. But there's a log, they jump out, and they, you know, they, they get out. Well, the rooster's there, waiting, like waiting. And it's almost like she knows what's up. Like, <laughs> so she kind of just goes about her business, peck the ground a little bit, and he is on it. <laughs> There's no courtship required. It's just a full-on yard, you know what. <laughs> and, I mean, this guy has been coming out of his feathers for week, for uh, 10 days, I think, or 11 or 12 or whatever. To, how long we've had this rooster cooped up or this hen cooped up and then we got four more hens so he's like super distracted <laughs> and uh he's like why can't i get any of that over there <laughs> and so he jumps on that jigging and i don't think he did what he needed to do to complete the task before it was done because <laughs> i was seeing things i was laughing and i'm like is that god damn it <laughs> Now that's in my memory forever. I have seen this this thing happen, and <laughs> and I've seen plenty of. Them. We used to. I mean, I've had friends that had chickens. We laugh all day long. It's a constant. It's like I hate to use the word rape, but that's what it looks like. It looks like a barnyard rape fest. Ro- you know, roosters chasing chasing hens everywhere. <laughs> that's what I witnessed. Is oh, a rooster who was all set to go, and he was. You know, I mean, for the rest of the day, he did not leave that hen alone. I was like, all right, we got to put her back up, I think. I think she's probably had enough. <laughs> oh, that's messed up, man. Uh, well, my red rednecking for the week is a whole lot different than that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, starting tomorrow is uh, the start of Indiana Midget Week, which uh, anybody that knows anything about um, – dirt racing it's a huge week takes takes place in indiana for the whole week but um bloomington speedway lawrenceburg tri-state circle city lincoln park gas city and kokomo um a lot of uh, most of those are pretty close to me so i'm gonna probably try to hop on a couple of those dates and that's even midweek racing uh circle city speedway on the 8th is a new dirt track that was built I mean, literally a stone's throw away from 465. It's almost downtown Indianapolis, so to speak. So it's pretty close for me. Um, Lawrenceburg is about an hour and a half drive for me. That being a Saturday night, sounds like something fun to do on a Saturday night. So I might get to watch some uh, some midgets this week. Sweet. That sounds like fun. Sounds like a blast. I need some racing in my life. I tell you what, just getting to see it on TV was like a rejuvenation. Right, I bet. You know, I've been watching, you know, 
on YouTube at my parents' house sometimes when I can, you know, and, and uh, it's just not, it's kind of not the same thing. There's something exciting about not knowing what's going to happen, obviously. That's the reason why you watch live sports. It's the original reality television. <laughs> right. You know, so, yeah, well, um, that's cool, man. I, you know, midget racing is not really so much of a thing down here, although I guess in North Carolina, it's maybe picking up some steam in the younger ages. They've got those little smaller ones and whatever and it's kind of it's kind of picking up but even listening to kyle bush talk about that he's like yeah we have to go like you know west of the mississippi to race those things right midwest it's pretty big um yeah man uh episode 17 in the books bud it's getting uh it's getting up there in numbers i mean obviously still pretty low but doing them every week it's been been pretty fun man yeah well you know it's uh consistency that's what breeds an audience Absolutely. Uh, everybody, uh, hope you have a good race weekend and, uh, tell us, tell them where they can find us at on the old social media. Yeah. On Twitter, it's uh BTDO podcast. Instagram is blowing the doors off and you can find me pregame engineer on Twitter and Andrew L. Sherwin on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter at B Wayne 85 89. Uh, hit me up if there's anybody listening on here, that's going to hit some of those, uh, uh, Indiana midget week. Maybe we can meet up and chat for a minute or hang out or whatever but uh everybody have a good rest of your week and uh enjoy race weekend skew yeet